So as I was preparing this, leave it to God out of all weeks. I'm 46 years old. I never had much to do with thinking of doors in my life. And I preach on I am the door. Well, I get a text message this week that says, can you go out of town and pick up 10 doors for me? And I'm like, out of all the weeks, the one week in my life I'm preaching on the door, I got to go pick up 10 doors out of, out of town. So I go get these doors, and when I'm bringing them back to this campus, actually, there's small doors, there's big doors, there's doors with windows, there's white ones, there's one that looks rustic and ancient. There's millions of, it just made me think how there's millions of doors in this world. And you're probably wondering, okay, well, how can you really apply experiences with doors and uh, it be interesting? Well, hopefully this is, because believe it or not, I'm one person that can do that. And I bet you can too. How many people has pinched their finger in a door? Mm -hmm. How many has had that moment where your toe gets rammed underneath the door? Yeah, one of our elders actually, I talked to last week, he hit his toe so hard under the door, he thought he could see the bone in his toe. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's bad. You know, we have bad run-ins with doors. Well, when I thought of my I thought of doors in my life, decisions, right? Million doors, million voices in your head, million choices that you have in life. We've all heard when one door closes, another one opens, all these sayings, you know. And so we can relate to that. Well, a couple terrible examples, one good one and then a great one um, that I've, I've had with doors, okay? Be thinking of yours as well. Well, one of them, I was in school, and I went to this wrestling camp in Michigan, okay? And you can probably get real quick where this is going to go, but there's this kid there, very annoying actually, and he kept jerking on the door to our dorm that we were all staying in. You're familiar with the chain on the doors, and the doors open about that far? Yeah. Well, his fingers were in it. You probably know where this is going a little bit. Well, I, with my million voices in my head and my million choices I could make with this opportunity of this one in a million doors, I run across the room and kick the door. Terrible decision. But that's what I did. Well, the way my mom remembers it, two of his fingers were just barely dangling there. The way my brother remembers it, and I remember it, it took off a couple of the fingers, some of the fingers. So because of a choice I made, with this door, it did something like that. That was terrible. Another terrible one I have is my daughter Whitney. Doors and doors, more doors. I'm laying on my kitchen floor with a drill in my hand, and I'm drilling a hole in a cabinet door to put a new handle on it. I hear a loud screeching scream, and all the fathers, mothers, grandparents in here, you know the scream of your kid. You can recognize it. Well, I hear it from clear outside. So what do I do? It makes me jump, and I drill a hole all the way through my cabinet door. So not only does that happen, I jump out and run outside of my socks to get my daughter, Whitney, who got her fingerprints in a car door. Another terrible one. Okay, so now let's get a little more positive. We talked about seeing bones and kicking fingers off and, you know, everything else. So let's, let's go on a more positive route here. So I have a granddaughter named Aliana. She's almost a few months from being two years old. Well, when she goes in our kitchen, I feel like to a little kid sometimes, what seems like six or seven doors to us is like millions of doors to her. Well, she knows exactly which door to go to to get what she needs and what is best for her. To her, it just so happens to be Cheez-Its. But she knows exactly at all those doors where she needs to go, what door matters. And we're going to get to that in a little bit in our life and what door matters. But then, 
Oh, another bad one is I got stuck my tongue to a screen door once in the back of my house, kind of like the Christmas story, trying to be cute. So there's, there's another bad one. But the best one, the best example I can give you of a door is I said yes to Jesus Christ. I believed in Jesus Christ. The door. And the there isn't a door. It isn't some door. In the Greek, it's an adjective. It's the door. One door, Jesus Christ. That's the best example I could give. So when I have these run-ins with doors, and now I'm sure, I'm sure that opened your mind a little bit. Oh, yeah, actually, I've had some run-ins with some doors too. You know, some choices and voices. Kind of kind of enlightens us a little bit. Well, as I did that, I got to thinking about, I'm going to ask. So I asked this guy at work, what do you think of when you think of a door? And he kind of looks at me like, a door? What, what question is this? But I said, what do you think when you think of a door? You know what he said? He said an obstacle. I don't think, he didn't think of a door as like an opportunity, you know, where I have a choice to make and God has opened a door in my life. He thought of it as an obstacle in his way, that you had to get through the door to get to where you needed to go, and it was actually a block, an obstacle to get through and across. Now, he wasn't, he didn't know the context of what I was asking that. He didn't know I was talking about believing in Jesus, but it kind of was like, oh, yeah, a lot of people probably think that. Well, then I told another person I was preaching when I am the door, and this is what came to their mind. I want to read this. Listen to the words of this. Unfortunately, this is right after I said I'm preaching when I am the door. These were the words. Unfortunately, most of us in this day and age are like revolving doors, and we forget that those have locks on them too. So even though we enter in with Jesus, we never truly commit and deadbolt the door behind us to protect our relationship with God, which is crazy when you think about it. Because it is the most valuable thing we will ever have. And we fail to keep it secure. And yet we make sure we lock all our doors at home each night to protect our Walmart stuff. So we get caught in a cycle of being inside and then back on the outside. The door keeps revolving, allowing worldly things and sin to slip in. Ultimately tempting us until before we even realize it, we are back on the outside of that door. Hopefully at some point we learn and get smart enough to flip the lock. Luckily for us, and only by His grace, does He not deadbolt the door on us. And obviously, He wasn't talking about losing your salvation here. He's talking about more obedience. Now it's like a revolving door. We sin and we repent and we're forgiven. Just, you know, you can see kind of where that was going. So much truth to that, you know, in our, in our relationship. And by God's grace... He doesn't lock the door on us. You know what I mean? I, I love that. I love the way that was put. It fit this so well. And it's, kinda, it's basically going to bring us to where we're going this morning when you think of your door. Lock, unlock, revolving. Whatever your situation is going through and, and you think of your life and your relationship with Jesus and what can that, that can be like at times. It's going to lead us right in this morning. We're going to be starting in ja- John chapter 10. But I want to give a little bit of, I want to back up and get a little bit of background to this, okay? Because in your Bibles, there's usually, what, chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11. Kind of disregard that for a moment, okay? Kind of tie 9 and 10 in together. Because what just happened before we get into John chapter 10, it gives you the context of this conversation. Jesus just healed the blind beggar. Some of us are familiar with that story. Blind from birth, he's healed. Well, then he's taken before the Pharisees. And there's a lot of confusion with it. There's a lot of, they're like, wait a minute. This man healed him on the Sabbath. He's not from God. That's a sin. That's against the law. He, he, that's, not, he, that's not, he's not from God. 
Well, then you had the flip side of that, where they were like, well, no, because a sinner couldn't do that. A sinner couldn't, you know, so we're, what's going on here? They were bewildered and confused. So they go to his parents, and out of fear, get this, because when, when I was going through this, it's, it's a lot of little things stuck out to me. Out of fear, his parents said, oh, he's a big boy. Go ask him. His own parents, out of fear that they would be thrown out of the synagogue, cast out, because it was made very clear if you confess Jesus as Christ, you would be cast out of the synagogue. They give in to fear and say, he's a big boy. He'll, he'll, he'll tell you. Ask him. He wouldn't say it. Out of fear of the world, putting false teachers, false prophets, the worldly way on what people think before confessing Jesus Christ is the Messiah out of fear. They say, go to my son. So the Pharisees do that. They go, he, he goes back in front of them again. He says, all I know is I was blind and now I see. And if, that, if this man wasn't from God, and it says it right in God's Word, he says, this man wasn't from God, he could do nothing. Nothing of the such. So he doesn't cower down. He doesn't have the fear. He, he says, I was blind and there's proof. That's all I can tell you. So that's what just happened here. Well, they cast him out. They cast this blind beggar out. Can you relate to that in your life? You were blind, and now you can see. Do you ever feel cast out in this world you're in? Do you ever feel like you're alone? You know, you're not wanted. We don't want to hear what you have to say. This blind beggar was speaking truth. He was speaking what really happened, and he, they didn't want to hear it, just like the world we live in today. They don't want to hear it. Well, a lot of people don't want to hear it. They want you just to be quiet about that, right? So we can relate that so much in this story. Well, Jesus, just like you and me, this blind beggar is cast out. He tracks him down. It says it in chapter 9, if you read it for yourself, Jesus tracks him down. He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the blind beggar needs a little help along the way with a good explanation of it, just like us. And he says, he says in verse 38, Lord, I believe that's what the beggar says. He is saved. He says, Lord, I believe. Well, this is overheard by some Pharisees. And in verse 39, I'm going to read it because it's going to roll us right into chapter 10. Jesus says, this is His words, to the, uh, blind be- the beggar that can now see. He says, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not, do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And there you go. Some of the Pharisees near Him heard these things and said to Him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have had no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Unbelief. They didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was. They wouldn't confess him, confess him as the Messiah, as the Son of God, as God. So, yeah, you're blind. You think your darkness is light. So you are blind and you can't see. So this, right now in 10, that helps, hopefully that helps a lot of you kind of roll right into this now, like it's not just starting here. This is that conversation. So these are Jesus' words in John chapter 10. I'm going to read them now. And notice right off the bat, what's the first two words in John chapter 10? Truly, truly. He repeats himself. Notice when I read John verses 7 and 9 in chapter 10, he said, he'll say, I am the door. And in verse 9, he'll say, I am the door. He's repeating and repeating. He wants these people to get this. He wants to be heard. He wants them to hear truth. And it's very important. It's repetitive. We're going to start reading John chapter 10 right now. 
He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So I love this in verse 7. Not only is he repeating, they're not understanding this figure of speech. So what's he do? He puts it another way. He says in verse 7, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. Again, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And we're going to stop right there. And I love that. It's going to bring us to point one, and then we're going to kind of draw this right out together, okay? And point one, if you're following along, doing the fill-ins, if not doing the fill-ins, just follow along with me. Our first point this morning is this. As the door, Jesus provides salvation and security to his followers, and our significance is in him. I'll say it again. As the door, Jesus provides salvation and security to his followers, and our significance is in him. Let's draw each one of them out. And this first one pops right out at you. Salvation. How does Jesus provide our salvation as the door? Well, he says it. His own words say it. Read verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, what? He will be saved. It's that clear. He will be saved. The blind beggar. What did he say? Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the blind beggar says, Lord, I believe. As the door, Jesus provides our salvation. And that's what truly matters. One door, Jesus Christ, our salvation. The most important thing we could ever have because of the door. Security. How does Jesus provide our security? Let's stay in verse 9 for a moment for it. He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Well, earlier he started with a shepherd, right? Before he said the door, he started with the, well, they called it the figure of speech in the word. They couldn't get it. It was a figure of speech, but he was talking about being the shepherd at first, right? Well, on that day, a sheepfold was a, an area where flocks of sheep would go. Not always one of the same flock. There'd be different flocks at times, depending on the situation. And either a hired hand, a, a porter, or the shepherd himself would be at this one door, this one opening, one way in, one way out. And there was security there because the shepherd would lie at that opening and do what? Protect the sheep. You had to go through the shepherd to get to the sheep. There were thieves, there were robbers, there were people trying to get in the hard way. The, the, not the one way you could get in. They were trying to get in their own way. All their effort. The hard way. Ways that didn't even make sense because there was only one way in. And they also wanted to, what does it say? Thieves and robbers. They didn't have the best interest of the sheep in mind. They had ill intent. It was false teaching. All those who came before. And here Jesus is speaking to who? The Jews, the Pharisees, Israel. But do you see, some things have changed, but some hasn't changed so much. Do you see some similarities to today? 
with all this? So much false teaching. So much people that don't want to hear it. So much people that think religion and being saved has to do with believing in a God, but not Jesus. And we're going to see here in a moment, Jesus himself says, believe in God, believe also in me. You can't say I believe in God and not Jesus. And that's a whole other sermon, obviously, with one and God, but we won't go there right now for the sake of time. But there is no other way. And our security is that we go in and out because the shepherd is with us. He leads us. He guides us. He knows where we're going. Our security is in him. Trying to go in other ways, you got to go through Jesus Christ to get to us once we believe in Jesus Christ and are saved. All we do, everything in us, Jesus is in us. That's salvation. That's security. And then significance. In verse 3, what's the shepherd do? He knows the name of his sheep. He calls them by name. They're able to hear his voice. How much more significant can you get than that? To know that Jesus, the Savior, knows your name, calls you by name, And you are able to hear his voice and he leads you. There's nothing more significant than that. Salvation, security, and significance found in him. And then the abundant life. Talk about significance. What's abundant life there? And when I think of abundant life, a lot of things went through my heart and my mind with this. Eternity, my eternal life. How abundant, how amazing it will be. But it starts right now, right? Joy, peace motivation to serve God and serve Him well. God's protection, God's provision, God's blessing, God's joy. That's abundant life. When your way, you truly want to align with God's way. Abundant life. Which leads us right in to John chapter 14, actually. Which is going to get us into points 2 and 3. If you will, flip over 11.25, if you're using the Bible provided. John chapter 14. And the same thing, I have to set the scene here in the context to, to make this really pop and hit our hearts this morning, I feel like. Here, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. And before this, before these words we're going to read in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7, these disciples just got quite a bit of tough news. I mean, if you go through some of the things that just happened pretty quick before this, Jesus just told them, okay, you're my followers. One of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to deny me. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be taken away from you. And by the way, life's going to be hard for you. If you truly are picking up your cross and following me, it's not going to be easy. Because you're in the world. It's going to be hard. So that's pretty discouraging. (laughs) You know, that's a lot of bad news, right? Well, here he kind of gives them some... Here he picks them up a little bit. He gives them some encouraging news. He speaks of what's coming for them. Okay? I'm going to read in John chapter 14, starting off in verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. And here's what I was saying earlier. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I would go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, 
I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know and have seen him. So there we have the way and the truth and the life we're not going to focus on too much this morning because in a couple weeks I'm going to be preaching on the resurrection and the life on Easter. Please invite somebody to that. Because Pastor Dave shared a statistic last week that was eye-opening and kind of in line with what Chris said this morning. 85% of people will come to church if they're invited. Isn't that something? They just, they need to be invited. And on Easter more than any is when most people will come to church. Christmas and, Christmas and Easter, yeah. Well, we're, I'm preaching on Easter in two weeks on the resurrection life. Invite somebody to that. But here we're talking about the way and the truth, okay? And point two this morning, and then we're going to draw it out of here. Point two is, we don't need to feel bewildered or troubled in our walk because we know the way. We don't need to feel bewildered or troubled in our walk because we know the way. When I see bewildered here, I think Thomas. Thomas gets a bad rap sometimes, right? Doubting Thomas. And later on, we see he's doubting again. After the resurrection, Jesus appears and Thomas is like, ah, oh, I don't believe it. <laughs> believe it when I see it, you know. He's, doubt, he's a doubter. Well, we need to really thank Thomas because in so many ways, we are like Thomas. We're bewildered. We're confused. We doubt. We lack confidence. We lack trust. You can get a bad, bad diagnosis. A family member can be sick. And we're human. We, we, things get in our mind. Million voices, right? Million doors, million choices. Which way, what way is my mind going with this in my heart? You know, a lot of things happen with us, just like Thomas. And so it can be bewildering. It can be, it be confusing. The Pharisees, confused, have it all wrong. Think they got it, and they don't. Think they see, and they're blind. Bewildered. We don't need to be bewildered in our walk, because we know the way. And troubled, how did he start off John chapter 14? His first words in verse 1 of 14 was, let not your hearts be troubled. I just told you I was going to be betrayed, killed, taken away from you. Life was going to be hard for you. Guess what? Don't be troubled. Later on in the same chapter, Jesus says, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. And why is he saying afraid? Because life's going to be hard. Why do we have these points? Why do we have all of this? Because sometimes we can get caught up in all the, the joy and the peace. And, the kind of, and that's so true. That's 100% true. We need that. We have Jesus Christ. But you can't get in the mindset of you're playing a football game and you're always going to be on offense. Right? There's offense and defense. You play both sides. That's what we have in our life. Why are we told all of this? Because there's heaven and there's Jesus, but there's also hell and Satan. There's an opposition. There's an enemy. Why is life hard for a Christian? Because we don't fit right in a world filled the way it is and with an enemy lurking, wanting us off path and off the way. Well, there's one way and there's one truth and it's Jesus Christ. When I think a way, I think a GPS and I, who, who has ever heard a GPS system say, please get out of your car and board the ferry? Yeah, well, I did. No joke. We're on our way to one of my daughter's events that she has. And whenever we would put in, believe it or not, Wendy's, 
of a food. We'd put in a Wendy's in the GPS. It would take us to a CC's every time. But we would follow it and go to the wrong place because we thought it was a one-time thing. So we'd go the wrong way. We took these directions to this gymnasium for this event. It literally took us to this lake where I could see the other side of the lake. And it said, please get out and board the ferry. And we're like, well, this isn't right. You know, we trusted a voice of the world. We trusted the wrong way. And it just makes me think of when you're hiking. When you're on a hiking trail, and when Jesus says, the way, one way. When you're on a hiking trail, and you're not familiar with the territory, aren't you very thankful for your guide? He knows the way. He knows everything that's around you the dangerous insects, the dangerous animals. And a lot of times we have no idea what's even around us. But we keep our focus on the guide. We stay on that path because we know what could come if we get off. And he knows where to take us. I think of the Holy Spirit, okay? And I think of John chapter 14. Right here, same conversation. Just fits so well. In verse 16, it says, Jesus tells them, as he's in the, having this conversation with them, he's getting ready to go away from them. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells within you, and he will be in you. So you know him, the world don't. And guess who, the, what's it say the Spirit? Who does it say the Spirit is? Truth. A lot of times we'll say, what is Truth in this world we live in, which, by the way, I looked it up this past week, and the definition rubbed me so wrong. The, word, the definition said that right now, truth is what is accepted to be true. So that means anything is truth, right? And we ask, what is truth? Well, brothers and sisters, we have truth right here. We just read it over and over. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. It says, He will give you the spirit of truth. Jesus is truth. The spirit is truth. God's word. God is truth. God's word is truth. That's what we have. And that leads us to our final point this morning. A Christ follower don't flee because the truth has set us free. The truth. God's word tells us that truth shall set you free. We are free as believers in Jesus Christ. Because of the truth. And we have that. We have the helper. We have the guide. We don't need, we don't, we know the one way. That's what we need. That's what we have. But why is flee in there? Because it's not easy, right? Why is it not easy? Because we're not called to sit and be idle. We're not called, I just said there's an enemy. There's an opposition. There's a battle. And if we're not, if we don't need to flee because we're not doing anything, well, there'll be no need to flee, right? I got it. I got it made. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. And I'm just waiting, you know, waiting until it's time. That's not what we're called to do. That's half of it. How a lot of people like to tell half of the gospel. That's half of it. We're here for a reason. This generation, this time. And we don't need to flee. We're going to be active. There's no reason to be afraid. Jesus just said it. We're going to want to get troubled sometimes and confused. Why? Because we don't belong. This isn't our home. Not the way it is right now anyway. This isn't the new Jerusalem and the new earth. This isn't our home. And we're in a place we don't belong. 
Fighting, not fleeing, fighting. Because there's more to this. What Jesus' own words right here again. He says, same chapter 14 still. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Just a few words after that, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. What are you doing? Why don't you need to flee? Because you're active. You're doing it. You do as Jesus did. And what did he do? He didn't belong. He, if any, Jesus didn't belong. People didn't think he belonged where he was. They thought he was a demon. They even, they even said, they said, this man's a demon. He's not of God. The man speaking truth, the man who is truth, Telling a world, telling an environment that don't want to hear it, that's opposed to it, that's pushing against it. But he didn't flee. He kept doing it. And Jesus tells you and me, if we love him, we will do as he did. That's one of the things he did. And we will obey his commandments. Well, his commandments is for us to go. It's to share. It's to preach. It's to love. It's to provide. It's to walk like a Christian. That's what we're called to do, and we don't need to flee because of that. We need, because we're set free. We have God. We have salvation, security, significance. We don't need to be bewildered. We don't need to feel troubled because the truth has set us free. All three points right there together. And to help bring it really all together as we get ready to close this morning, you'll see in your handouts there's four H's there. There's history, heartbreak, hero, and hope. And I just want to walk through real quick, because sometimes just I, I want you to get this. If, if you get anything, get this this morning, okay? I want this to stick for you and impact you. The history there, the first H, what's the history of the I am's? The I am the door, I am the way, I am the truth. Why is Jesus saying this? Why does he want them to hear it? What's well, the, the part of the history of it's to be heard. If you're taking notes, write those three words in there. To be heard. The history of why Jesus is saying I am is for people to hear it. He's repeating it. He's putting it different ways. And he's putting it to people that don't even like him or want to hear him. Jews, Pharisees, whatever it takes. He's speaking truth. That second H, heartbreak. The heartbreaking reality and makes perfect sense. Why? Why is he saying it? Because people need to hear Four words, people need to hear. And he wants them to hear it. And he wants us to stay tuned and hear this this morning. It's important. It's God's word to us. We're privileged and blessed even to sit here and hear it. It's amazing. Heartbreak, right? You think of the need to hear it. Why? A million voices, right? There's a million voices, a million choices, a million doors, a million martyred, a million persecuted. A million who don't care. But there's also a million who care. A million who will share. And the hero, that third H, it's one word, and I think you all know what it is. Jesus. Write down one word by hero. It's Jesus. Because just like there's a million voices, a million choices that can cause confusion in our life of what's going on with our family, ourself, this world we live in, and we can let that get the best of us. The focus is on Jesus Christ and what our mission is for Him. It puts everything in perspective when you keep Jesus in the right place and, and you fight and you don't flee. Yeah. Because just like all those million examples I gave, there was one mouth in the whale 
that swallowed Jonah. There was one ark Noah built. There was one stone over the den of Daniel. There was one stone over the tomb of Jesus Christ. There's one Savior, one cornerstone, one way, one truth, and one Jesus Christ. And the fourth H is hope. And what's the hope? Well, obviously the hope is in Jesus. But the hope is also that, and you're going to write three words there, know, show, go. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you know Jesus. Let your joy, let the way you carry yourself show that. And when you're showing it, you're going to love. You're going to love like Jesus. You're going to do as He did. I'm going to do as He did. But then that third word, go. It's a big one, right? There's a big difference between knowing it all and using it, right? We, we know, we show, and we go. We go invite people to Easter. We go and share Jesus Christ, just like Jesus was doing, just with all of those around us. That's what we do. That's what we're here for as we bring that all together. So as we get ready to close, I want to ask you, if you, my small group, Monday, I have this small group, another thing in the same week where you're like, wow. I have over 20 people in a room and we do this little game called, who am I? And one person would stand across another one and they would keep saying, who am I? And this wasn't a game to boast. This wasn't a game to say, I am great. I am good looking. It wasn't boasting. This was a game to where you could just learn something about somebody real quick and who they were. And so I would, if I'm speaking with Dan, I would say, who are you? And Dan would say, I am a great piano player. Who are you? I am a father. Who are you? I am a husband. So in 45 seconds, I would learn a lot about Dan because there was 20 people that didn't know each other. So it was working really well. Well, as you'd walk around, you may just have heard many, th- many of these I am a Christian. I am a lover of Jesus Christ. I am saved. I am someone with an eternal salvation. I am someone who loves the gospel. Brothers and sisters, who are you? Who are you this morning? Let those things just uplift you and encourage you of who you are in Jesus Christ. Let His I am's remind you of who you are. So you can just tell yourself right now, I am secure. I am safe. What's going on in your mind and your family right now and your job? I don't know. You do. But you have Jesus Christ if you believe in Him. That narrow path, that one way, you're on it. And let your actions show it. And if you don't believe in Jesus Christ and you're in here this morning, I would love to share it with you when this is over and we leave. Because the other doors, you're walking down that hall and you hear the noises and the knocks and the voices and all that stuff we talked about this morning. Any of those, they're not going to fulfill you. They have a way too, but it's hell, not heaven. That's reality, that's truth, and that's what I'm here to do. I'm, I'm, that's the truth. There's one way, one most important decision you can make, and it's to believe in Jesus Christ. I'd love to share that with you this morning. Let us close in prayer.